My name is Brian, and today is Thursday, April 13th, 2023, and this is another episode of Lots to Talk About. And tonight we're talking about YouTube, and uh, man, I found someone to talk to that has been doing it right. My guest today is a graphic artist that specializes in Adobe Photoshop. He currently creates posters and movies for TV shows posters for movies and tv shows he uh, he also has an educational youtube channel and it has uh, i checked this morning uh this few weeks ago when we were recording it and he has 1.95 million subscribers that's a few more than i do so i thought he would be a great person to talk about talk about youtube with i'm excited to hear about his journey and how he built that huge following so with that i would like to welcome two lots to talk about jesus ramirez how are we doing man thank you so much for the kind introduction brian i really appreciate it i'm doing well how about yourself uh, not bad, not bad. A little chilly here in Texas today. Um, I think we're about a month out from recording when uh, that I'm I'm kind of booked with interviews. It's kind of nice, but uh, yeah, yeah. Back here in in March, it's a little chilly. So uh, a I'm, in Calif- I'm inside of my house in California wearing a sweater, man. I'm I'm pretty cold at the moment. <laughs> you in you in Southern California? I I noticed in in your uh, background that you made Northern California. Oh, you're in Northern California. Okay, I'm in the uh, South Bay in the San Francisco Bay Area, Northern California. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, uh, we haven't made it out there. I made it, uh, to California quite a bit. I had a friend that lived in San Diego. Uh, beautiful area. Yeah. Just that area is the only place I've ever been in California. But now that we're in the RV, um, we're going to try to hit pretty much every state. So we'll have to make the big tour through California, but you, you definitely have to, it's definitely a, a gorgeous state. Um, there's so much to see uh, down the Pacific one highway from San Diego all the way to, to the top Oregon, if you want even further north, if you like, but yeah, well, yeah, and, yeah we area. have friends, we have friends up in, uh, up in Seattle too. So we can uh, come yeah. right and start, start at the Southern border and go right to, right to the top. And uh, perfect. But uh, anyway, we're here to talk about YouTube, but uh, there was Jesus Ramirez before YouTube channel. Um, oh, hundred percent. You kind of want to uh, give a, a elevator pitch, kind of tell me who you are, where you came <laughs> from, and then we'll get we'll get into YouTube. Uh, yeah, eventually. man. Um, I'll keep I'll keep it concise. So I was born in Mexicali, Baja California, Mexico, which is in the border with California. Um, I have an interesting backstory in the sense that my dad um, and his family are American. My dad, as an adult, moved to Mexico. Um, I was born there, and when I was nine years old, almost ten years old he decided to move back to the San Francisco Bay Area where he grew up. And he brought, obviously, my mother, my brother and I, his family back with him. And I, it was funny because I'm an immigrant. He, my first language is Spanish. Second is English. His first language is English. Second language is Spanish. And my grandmother still lives in the same house where my dad grew up. So my dad and I went to the same high school. And, okay. you know, I have my, from my dad's side of the family, my roots are here in California. And, and like, as I mentioned, my grandparents, all my family still live in the same area where we grew up in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. As I mentioned, my grandmother to this day lives in the house that my dad grew up in, but I'm an immigrant. So I have like this weird, you know, like, <laughs> hey, you know, I'm, I'm an immigrant, but my family's been here forever. So I don't know. Right, anyway, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, know if that counts. Like, I, 
I don't know. Like you just, it's like dad went on vacation and came back with a little, little extra. With a, yeah, with a little extra, right? But then that's yeah. that's only half, right? Then I have my other half, which is my mom's side of the family, which are you know obviously from that part of the world. So it's it's this weird thing. Um, so I've been living in the Bay Area my entire life. Um, I love it here. I I've grew up drawing comic books. I wanted to be a comic book artist. wasn't talented enough. When I, uh, you know, my, my whole thing was either comic books or playing soccer. I was a college athlete. I played soccer in college. At some point, I got a job at a, at a marketing company, which was incredibly beneficial for me because I learned a lot about um, the importance of headlines, copywriting, creating communities, and all of that. I was working for a marketing company that focused on creating content for doctors or chiropractic. But through that, I got a, a really good firsthand experience on how promoting businesses, your content is important and can help you build communities. So I actually started um, my YouTube channel, the Photoshop training channel, because for this particular job, I was doing more than graphic design. I was doing a lot of coding. I, I learned how to code and, and you know, do a lot of back end stuff and it paid better. So that's that's kind of what I got into. Um, but I've always loved the graphics. Um, so I kind of started a YouTube channel where I was just, you know, having fun recreating things that I would see online that I thought were cool. My content in the beginning was more advanced. The, the videos were quite long. They were maybe like an hour. Um, I, eventually, when I decided to get serious with my YouTube channel, I realized that that content, although had a lot of views and people were watching it, wasn't what I would call mainstream content. Most people, at least for what I do, go on YouTube because they don't know how to do it. People that know how to do it don't go on there. So the like an example would be if you're a carpenter, you probably rarely would go on in, into YouTube unless you're looking for something you don't know how to do because you know how to do it already. Right. In my mind, when I started out, I, I thought I'm going to have a YouTube channel for advanced people. But then I realized advanced people don't go on YouTube that much to learn stuff. Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, advanced people like, add new skills but they don't need a whole they don't right. need an hour, an hour worth exactly they need exactly. a three minute how do, yes. how the hell do i do this thing yeah exactly absolutely right so i at some point i decided to um take a look at my content and sort of shift it to a, a place where i felt will be valuable to most people or more people rather um and I think that's that's basically been the key to my success. Look at the content and be non-emotional about it. Um, for people listening who have YouTube channels or might have heard, there's this uh, set of informations that you get from YouTube called analytics. And they, they're, they're incredibly in-depth. You don't need to know everything about the analytics in order to have a successful YouTube channel. But there's a couple of key metrics, in my opinion, that you need to be aware of. Uh, Click-through rate, retention rate. Um, those things, in my opinion, are probably the most important out of all the metrics. And basically, if you put up a video and nobody clicks on it, then that means you made a mistake. One of two mistakes or both, which is the thumbnail is bad or the title is bad or both. And there's no if and buts about it. I mean, this is it, those are the cold, hard numbers. And it's as painful as it might be. Right, because that's, that's the only thing they see. They don't, yeah. they don't see a trailer for the movie. They just right, see, exactly. the, they see the poster. Like, you're in the perfect business. You're in the poster. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. Right. So so you have to realize what... And, and just because you think something looks visually aesthetic doesn't, doesn't mean that it, it's going to get people to click on it. Those are completely two different things. And that's something coming from my background that was very difficult because in my mind, I'm like, this is 
beautifully designed. It's got, you know, color theory. It's got what, you know, all these fancy things that you learn in art school, but it doesn't translate to a click just because those are com two completely different things. Sure, does a pretty thumbnail help? Absolutely. Does knowing color theory help? Absolutely. But it's not just that. You know, otherwise graphic designers will have the most popular YouTube channels in the world and they don't, you know, just because. Right, right. It's, it's, is it, so is it, um, you know, I'm just picturing as you're talking about it, I'm like, okay, so a movie poster, when I look at a movie poster and it looks really cool, um, it's not trying to get me to dive deeper into the movie. Its intention is to get me to look at it, remember that picture, but also it take the information in that's there because I'm looking at it longer um and then as you were saying it's not necessarily the mechanism for clicking and then i'm picturing myself scrolling through my phone on youtube mm -hmm. exactly and it, it's that bam what was that hold on a second right and and see them the movie posters to a degree are, are a bit different because there's a lot more context to them um a lot of movies are based on content that already exists right so you might right. know at the very least know the actor or you know you might know the story behind it. You might have seen the trailer. You might not know nothing about the story, but you saw the trailer. So it's just a component of a larger piece. Right. Um, whether when you're looking at YouTube, as you said on your feed, you're just looking at that thumbnail that pops up and that description that pops up. And and that's all you have to capture an audience. And you have to be really aware of what your particular audience wants or the audience that you want to capture wants. And in some industries or niches, it might not be the highly polished thumbnails. It might be something a little more homemade. Um, color can have an association. For example, um, if you're in, if, if you are creating something that's geared towards, towards a particular group that a certain color is associate, associated with, you might want to use that color more. Um, for example, in in if if you're running a political YouTube channel, you might want to use red or blue depending on the right. side of the aisle that you want to cater to, right? Or uh, symbolism, right? Like again, go, I don't not that I want to get political or anything, but you know, you can oh, use no. you know like a donkey or an elephant <laughs> or whatever to to describe. It's just those visual cues that attract your audience. In my case, for example, um, I use as you can see in my background now, I have a lot of blue. Uh, this right here is the old Photoshop logo. This right here is a new Photoshop logo. So blue, as you can see, right? So I use a lot of blue because it's the color that's associated with the app that I'm teaching. Gotcha. Um, I also try to use the Photoshop logo often. People may not know me, but they know the logo. So yeah. as soon as they see the logo, they're like, oh, wait, that's that's something about Photoshop. Maybe maybe that's something I might be interested in. So you have to think about those things. Um, one of the most popular YouTubers in the world is, is Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast is famous enough that he uses his face. If you happen to have an audience large enough that um, can identify your face, then by all means use your face on all, all your videos. And obviously that didn't happen from uh, didn't happen from in the beginning. It took some time for his face to be recognized, but he's at a point where he can use his face as that as that symbolism. So you have to think about things that your audience might just even spend one second stopping. Like if, if they're scrolling on their phone and they stop for a second, that's a good thing. So you have to think about those things. And it's different for every everybody. Um, one thing I will say is success leaves clues. So look at successful YouTubers, whether they're on your niche or not, and try to figure out those clues that they're leaving behind that, that uh, 
create their success and figure out how you can implement those onto your videos. And I'm not saying copy. I'm saying like in this case, I use the Photoshop logo. Maybe you're teaching, you know, I don't know, Microsoft Excel and you use the Excel logo. You, you saw the success with my me using YouTube, uh, me using uh, Photoshop logos. You use the logo for something else. You know, like that's what I'm, I'm really saying. Um, right. So... Huh. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask you. So it's uh, once you kind of dial that in for your target audience, is this something that that stays consistent for a long time? I know you're always kind of ch you're chasing the the logarithm and all of yeah. this stuff, but yeah. visually, your audience do they change or are you like competing and having to adapt with the other thumbnails yeah. coming up or does it yeah. stay long-term? No, you, you have to keep evolving and adapting. Unfortunately, if you look at my thumbnails, you can actually almost see like blocks of videos. Like, okay, that must've been three years ago. Oh, that was two years ago okay. because everybody is evolving. Right. Um, and unfortunately on social media, there's a lot of copycats. Um, so if they see something that's working on your channel, you'll see the same type of thumbnails um, pop up on, on, on people who have similar niches just because they see that it's working so they want to try it so you always kind of have to keep evolving and also i think it's it's not a perfect science i think that audiences are changing e even if nobody ever copied you even if if your thumbnails are always super original audience are evolving themselves if you think about it this way i've been on youtube for approximately 11 it'll be 11 years this year and in that time We've already had a generational shift. When I started YouTube, I was in my early 30s. Now I'm in my early 40s. So that means that people who were 10 years old when I started now are in their 20s. That's a completely new generation that has a completely right. different taste and style. Uh, trends are different. What's popular is different. So the world is evolving. And one of the things that I've been very conscious of, and I hope I don't fall into it, is I don't want to... I don't want to be seen as like, oh, that's the old guy. So like I try to change my content to try to stay somewhat, you know, you can't escape time, right? But right. I'm trying to delay it a little bit and staying with trends or maybe focus on, on stuff that younger audiences are working on. Because again, if you think about it, in, in people, when I started, if somebody was in their 60s or in their 70s now, so they might even be retired, not watching graphic design stuff anymore. Or it might be a hobby that they're no longer interested in. So things do change and you have to just evolve at the times. Another so, reason. Uh, is there a, is there a niche for like, um, like MySpace tutorials and stuff? <laughs> you know what? I don't think, I don't think so, but there might be a niche for like, I don't know, like uh, Facebook tutorials, you know, like where it's still somewhat re relevant, but see, that's the thing. Like I I'm a hundred percent sure that within my lifetime, Photoshop will become irrelevant. What I do will become irrelevant. 100%, because that's just the, the world we live in, right? right? Nothing stays around forever, nothing. But I feel that I've developed enough skills in an industry. Where whatever the next Photoshop is, I'll be able to pick it up and at least have a job in, in that market. And also right. I've developed the skills of creating a community, of creating content and all this stuff that I could apply it to something else. Um, part of the reasons why I joined uh, the network of podcasters where I met you, Brian, is because I just started my own podcast. And right. I'm on episode number three. And I, I'm a person who believes in repetition to get better. And I realized I did a test episode with a friend of mine. And oh, my God, it was terrible. It, it was terrible. So I was like, Jesus, I need to get on a podcast. And I just need to start talking, get better on camera, get better on the microphone, and then just do repetitions. And that's what I think one of the keys to my success on YouTube has been is that I've been not only repeating 
so I can grow those muscles, but analyzing the outcome of that work. And I think right. that's the piece that a lot of people miss. I've seen a lot of creators create the same exact content, the same exact thumbnails for years and nothing changes. And I don't know if this is accurate, but it was credited to Albert Einstein. And the quote is, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing multiple times and expecting the same results. Right. So um, that's why I try to be non-emotional about the analytics that I see on YouTube, although I do put a lot of time, effort, sweat, and tears into it. And it, it can be heartbreaking when something doesn't work. But, you know, the numbers are there and you can't argue with them. Well, and then that's it. It's I mean, if you continue to if you continue to just crank out videos and you're like, OK, I'm just doing it. I got to put yeah. content. I mean, there is. And then there's this weird dynamic um, and you'll find it with your podcast. So when you start, nobody listens. Right. So it's, it's OK that you're shitty. Mm -hmm. at what you're doing because mm -hmm. you're learning and no one cares because the people that are listening love you for who you are it's like your mom and, and your buddies and whatever um but as you get better you start to gain a little traction and then you 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 keep doing it and you have to find where that tipping point is from i'm just getting started and i suck or i'm doing the wrong thing <laughs> No, but that's the thing. If you look at your vid, if you look at any of your podcast episodes, Brian, from, you know, let, let's say you look at your first 10 and you don't think to yourself, oh my God, I was terrible. There's something wrong. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know? For sure. For sure. So, I hope you're improving. Like I, yes. this is episode, like this will be a pushing 400 or something right. by the time this airs. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't gotten better. I, I should just stop doing it. But I enjoy doing exactly. it. So maybe I don't care if I'm right. really bad at it. Well, no, what, what, those are two different points, right? One is you enjoy it. You know, it's like um, if, if you go out and, you know, shoot hoops at the end of the day because you enjoy it, that's, that doesn't mean you're trying to join the NBA. But if you're right. doing it as a business or if you're, if you're actively trying to grow it, then you should definitely uh, try to improve. Right, right. So, so if somebody is thinking about starting a channel so mm -hmm. um a lot of my audience already have channels and we might touch yep. on that in a minute but if somebody's thinking about starting a channel what are some really key things to get right as you start it um yeah the, the type one i don't know if you're familiar with permaculture things like that but type no. one errors are like you put your house in the wrong spot and now it floods it. every spring i um, understand yeah yeah so I think the biggest thing um, right off the bat is you may not realize how much work it takes. So my recommendation to people is by all means, start a YouTube channel. Just don't publish your first video when you make it. Make five to 10 videos. Because if you're lucky and you create a banger right out the gate, but then you don't have any videos to follow that up with, you know, you're toast. Like right. you just lost all that, all that algorithm juice you got, you lost all that noise you got on your first banger and you have nothing to follow it up with. The flip side of that is you create something that's terrible. You upload it and you get discouraged by the comments, by the low views, you know, and you're like, you know what? Screw this. I don't want to do this. Right. But the flip side of that is you have 10 in the can. It doesn't matter how bad the bad one is. It doesn't matter how many, you know, negative comments you get. You still got nine more. So you're going to put them out no matter what because you already did that work. And, right. you know, when I started my YouTube channel, I had a full-time job. So I was doing this um, from seven to whatever time at night, one in the morning, two in the morning. So 
life happens. You know, people are married, have kids, whatever. You may not have time to create that second or third video in a reasonable amount of time. But if you have them in the can, it gives you some breathing uh, room to make your next one. Also, we talked about it earlier. I'm going to keep coming back to this. Looking at the analytics, if you publish, if you have, again, 10 videos in a can, you publish all those 10. Now you have 10 videos worth of information on how to change the next video. Like for example, in my case, and by the way, everything I mentioned is specific to my YouTube channel. You can try to see if it works on your channel, but you know, I may have a different personality than you. You might be more charismatic than me. You might be quieter than me. You know, it's all about uh, testing to see what works for you. But for me, I realized that I wasn't charismatic enough to have a two-minute introduction. <laughs> With me, people just want to know how to remove a background from a photo. So when I start my videos, it's like, sometimes I don't even say my name. It's just like, hey, this is how you remove a background from a photo. Click here, click there, boom, video gets a million views, you know? And before I used to say things like, hey, everybody, my name is Jesus Ramirez. Welcome back to the Photoshop training channel. I was in Jamaica last week. Here's a photo. Here's a monkey. You know, all this stuff. And, you know, people are like, we want to learn Photoshop, bro. We don't care about, you know, your stupid trip to Jamaica. So you kind of have to make that that distinction of, of what, what value is your channel providing? Is the channel providing information? Is it providing entertainment? And there is definitely room for people who are vloggers who do get views for showcasing their trip to Jamaica, but that just wasn't me. And that's not what the title and thumbnail promised people. And that's the second metric that um, I didn't mention earlier. So click through rate, title, thumbnail, and then retention rate. Because there is such a thing in this world as clickbait where the... You get the click, but the video is not what it promised. And in my case, it's showing you how to do X in Photoshop. And if I don't get to it in the first 30 seconds, people click away. How do I know? That's what the data shows. But if I get to it within 30 seconds, people tend to stick longer. Nice. Nice. So, yeah. And I was going to say something with your, with having five to 10 videos done, um, you get better at getting, doing the videos. Sure. Um, yeah. so having that bigger buffer, you're not always going to have to be 10 ahead. You might no. only have to be no. two or three ahead sure. at some point, um, because you're just quicker at doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but totally agree. Having, having some stuff done. I remember when we started, we were talking before I, I started on dial up and, um, <laughs> There was no, there was like, it took overnight for me to upload a, a 10 minute video. And yeah. so it was like, you just kind of did it when you had time. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and you know, uh, sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, no, no. And it, it shows in the growth, like the difference in our channel um, from when we actually got decent speed internet, when we actually got time to do videos and put some time into them, yeah. um, the, the channel has grown. Right. And I'm sorry, I forget the term that you used earlier, but another one of those pitfalls that I, I also recommend uh, that I talk about to people starting on a YouTube, a YouTube channel, it's not like the old, uh, what, what was it, that Kevin Costner movie, like You Will Build It, They Will Come. Like oh, yeah, that, Feel the Dreams. Feel the Dreams. It's not like Feel the Dreams. You will build it, nobody will come. So you have to think about how you're going to promote this. Now, okay. this probably doesn't work anymore. When I first started my YouTube channel, again, we're talking about 2010, so you know, a while ago. Um, what I, I knew that I needed to get eyeballs on my videos. So what did I do? I joined a lot of Photoshop forums, which I don't even know if they're around anymore, but I would, you know, look and see what people were talking about. And I would create a video based on that topic. And I would, you know, say, Hey, I, I saw you guys talking about this. Here's a video that covers this topic. Um, I joined, uh, at the time you could do this. Um, Facebook was, this is when Facebook was not throttling your content like it is now, but I joined a lot of Photoshop groups and basically did the same thing. 
I was very active in a lot of communities. Um, I started going to actual live events and meeting a lot of people, not just in my community here where I live in California, but I started traveling to different conferences okay. and meeting people who were part of this community. And I made a lot of strong relationships and good friends to this day that um, helped in, in the growth of, of the YouTube channel through their communities. So, it, you know, there was a lot of legwork in terms of getting my, oh, I'm sorry about that. I turned, I thought oh, no. I turned this thing off. Oh no, you're and fine. You, and you know what it is? I know you probably read it in my profile, but um, approximately about a year and a half ago, I, I suffered a stroke. I, I almost died. I had a cervical dissection on my on my neck. It was I had a neck injury essentially that created a block clot that went up into my brain, and I started dying. My phone is in fact on um, do not disturb. However, there's a setting where you can allow certain people to go through even if your phone is on do not disturb. That is my mother. Um, <laughs> after having a stroke, if I don't pick up the phone, she thinks I'm dead. <laughs> so, I can imagine. I, yeah. I'm not totally cool with it, man. You're like, you, yeah. you, you got you to gotta tell mom you're okay. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what happened is I was on a, on a work call. And this is why it happened. I was on a work call. Um, uh, it took me about six. It, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of glazing it over. But uh, it was very serious. I had to learn how to walk again. My left side was affected. Wow. Thankfully, today, I'm... Um, I'm pretty normal. Um, I have to take a pill, dizzy every now and again. But I mean, considering I could have died or been disabled, I'm, you know, golden. Right. Um, but the point is, is that after I recover, I started working again. I was on a work call. My mom calls. I didn't pick up the phone. And next thing you know, I hear my my front door just kick open. And it's her thinking I'm dead. And I'm like, Mom, I'm on a work call. <laughs> so I decided to, uh, you know, I'll, you know, have her go through when it's on do not disturb i usually put my phone on do not disturb while i'm working <laughs> and uh that's why i was like wait that's weird that's yeah. fantastic that's fantastic yeah um, I, but, I had read that i had read that in your profile i was like man that's so you're you're my age um yeah. that was crazy so it, it all stemmed from the neck injury yeah which is weird brian i'm not exactly sure how that happened the, the neck injury itself i just remember having neck pain on my left side for weeks and you know i'm I, I work in the computer most of the day so you know i go in the gym at night but in the daytime most of the day i'm sitting down here where you're looking at me i have my monitors i'm doing my work or doing my videos whatever so i just figure you know bad posture for eight nine ten hours in the computer it's probably what it is you know i've always been very active i've always been an athlete so even though i'm a little out of shape now it's not like you know i was a total slav and couch potato so i figure you know i just probably slept wrong or you know something like that you sneezed um, i mean Dude, we're like yeah. in, in our 30s now, in our 40s. Exactly. Yeah, exa <laughs> exactly. No, and that's exactly what the doctor said. The doctor said, because because I also play, I uh, still play soccer. Um, so the, I thought, well, maybe it was a soccer injury. And the doctor's like, it could have been a soccer injury. But I said, I don't remember getting hit. I don't remember anything that would have led to my neck injury. And the doctor said, well, it could also happen if somebody calls your name and you turn around too fast. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't even turn my neck without worrying about dying now. Right. Um, but yeah, apparently, uh, you know, people can damage their necks by turning their head too far or too fast or both. And um, the point not, is, is that I'm, I not, had... I'm not paying attention to anybody ever again. Yeah, I'm right. He's <laughs> just going <laughs> to uh, turn with your shoulders. Um, but basically, it was funny because, I mean, funny now, looking back at it, not at the time, I was playing soccer. I collapsed. Uh, my teammates took me to the hospital. So a lot of things went right. I was around people when it happened. 
Um, if it had happened just half an hour later, I would have been driving home from my soccer game. And, right. you know, it, I could have died in a car accident or just, you know, pulled over on the side of the road and nobody found me till the next day. Who knows? Um, so I collapsed with people um, around. Thankfully, the soccer field was less than five minutes away from the emergency room. So I had medical attention within half an hour of having a stroke, which is like incredible. Yeah. Um, so I was young enough, strong enough. Like there were so many variables that that led to my my recovery. Another one of those variables is I've always been somebody who believes in in just just working hard, you know, just like I, I you know, like I, w- I was never angry at this. You know, I was never like, God, why me or like any of that? I was like, all right, you know, here we are. Like, how are we going to solve this? You know, how, like, how are we going to get better? Yeah. And the only thing um, that I could the doctors did say, wherever you are six months from today, this is where you're going to be more. You know, there's we don't see much improvement after six months. I was like, great. That gives me a timeline. Um, the doctor sat next to me in the bed, put, put uh, his hand on my thigh, and he said, you have to come to terms with the facts that you'll probably be disabled for the rest of your life. And I was like, how could that be? I was just running last night, you know, and uh, the room was spinning. I couldn't walk. My, As I mentioned, my left side was affected. And when everybody left the room, I thought, all right, it's time to get to work. So I grabbed myself, held up myself up against the the bed, and I could barely stand. And I was just doing little baby calf races. I was like, this is all I can do. Is this is what we're gonna do? Started working out um, with the benefit of having been an athlete and in, in, in having that mentality of just pushing yourself. I was doing a lot more than the doctors recommended me. My neurologist had to tell me to slow down because I was gonna hurt myself, but. Within six months, I was already uh, walking and, you know, jogging a little bit. Um, at first, I could I, I, I used to live alone in a uh, two story home and my mom had to move in with me because, you know, I was by myself and I couldn't go up and down the stairs or, you know, do anything. Uh, the point is that I needed to um, have someone there. And so my mom and I was started walking from like my living room to the front door and then from my living room to Walmart that was down the street. And next thing you know, we were walking six miles every day and then I could run again and start running and, you know, just just push yourself until, you know, six months came along and I was playing soccer again. So, you know, it was, I was very fortunate, very fortunate. So, I mean, that that's something right there that people also need to realize that you put that passion into your YouTube channel too. A hundred percent. It's so funny that you say say that, Brian. I tell people my obsession was my work, including my YouTube channel. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I do different things. The YouTube channel is one thing mm-hmm. that I do and I do put my my all my effort into it. But then when it came recovery time, all that obsession now went into me getting better. So did you put it on pause? So I, I mean, I was in I was in a very fortunate position. Uh, so to answer your question, yes, and I was in a very fortunate position that at the time the YouTube channel was almost ten years old, or maybe even ten years old. So it it had enough um, viewership that yes, it took a dip, but it wasn't you know anything horrific. Um, I was able to not work on the YouTube channel for close to three months, but I have some stuff in the can. I had enough videos that are still getting views. So. Um, I, I could live off my YouTube income. If that was my only income, I could live off of it. That's and fantastic. thankfully, uh, thankfully, um, even though it took a little dip, it was, I didn't have to worry financially for those, for those couple of three months is really what I, after three months, I was working on it again. Um, even though I wasn't fully recovered, I was well enough that I could work. Um, but so we, 
we were actually having a discussion in one of my communities this morning um, yep. about um, like social media or YouTube managers. Do you do all your stuff yourself? Um, I have I have several content creator friends mm -hmm. um, and it's across the board. Like some do yeah. their stuff, some only do um, some only do the filming and then um, yeah. ship it off. So for the last couple of years, I've had some help. I got two people that are working with me um, full time. And I would recommend it if you can afford it. But it's not it's not like, you know, like, oh, here's the content. I just sit back and drink a margarita by the pool. There's actually a lot that goes into it. Um, for example, one of the things that you need to uh, think about is these people are not in your head. They may be better at you at at their job. In other words, if you're not a graphic designer, they they might be a graphic designer and they might be good at creating thumbnails and stuff like that. But they're still not in your head, and they still don't have your style. So I think the biggest mistake people do is I'll go. I'm going to go hire this graphic designer, have great reviews on this website, or so and so recommend them. They're great, and then they don't work out. It's probably your fault because you didn't train them to do the work the way you want it to be done whether it's right or wrong it doesn't matter at this point it just mean it just means that you need to be happy as content creators we have essentially like a like a fingerprint and if you don't teach them how to put your fingerprint on stuff it's not going to be you anymore it's not going to be your style and you're not going to like it so you do have to spend a lot of time training them to this day my video editor um i will i will so the way that I work is, you know, I, I record the video, send it to him, he edits them, I look at them. If I'm happy, it goes up. If I'm unhappy, I'll make the edits with what I'm happy with. But I'll record myself doing those edits and I say, hey, by the way, here, I don't like this because X, Y, and Z. That way, next time when that happens, he knows that I don't like that. But it's, it's training like him. a hundred and like I never stopped training them. And not, not to did say you, that. Did you do your video editing in the beginning? Oh, yeah. For the seven years. Seven years. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I had to mute and um my dogs were going ballistic. I got three St. Bernards in this camper oh, with wow. me and somebody knocked on the door and I was like, yeah. oh shit. So I got the question <laughs> out and then yeah. I had to put it on mute. So I got a lot of it. Um, but yeah, I, definitely knowing it, I love the fact that you show him what you want done a hundred percent and and um i work with uh social media well, she does a lot more than social media management now. And so i hired um a young girl pauline for social media managing but she is just an incredible incredible young woman and she helps me with so much more now um i was lucky to find her because i'm very, very i'm a very scattered person if you look at my desktop I, my folders all over the place and you know what i assume you would think uh stereotypical artists is just mountains of mess everywhere um my mind is all over the place and she's like type a everything organized everything in order so like i kind of rely on her now for for more than just social media management just because of her so we work great together she helps me with the uh, content and and just kind of keep uh, helps me keep in focus but the point is is that if you can afford it um i definitely would recommend finding the right people that uh, to work with you but i think the biggest issue that most people expect is for people to just be good right out of the gate and even though they may have the raw skills again as content creators you need to make sure that they have the right tools and the right mindset and that they know how you want content to be put out so that you're happy with the result because if it's better or worse it doesn't matter if it's not your style you're going to be unhappy with it and maybe they can convince you that their style is better but then that's another you know 
<laughs> battle you're going to need to have. Well, and it, it goes back to what we talked about earlier is you're figuring out what your audience, mm-hmm. which is your audience. It's yeah. not it's not the editor's audience. It's not the, the guy on Fiverr's audience. Mm-hmm. It's your audience. Um, and you you basically proven to me that that tailoring to that audience, figuring that out, like that's the key. But tailoring to that audience is very essential. Um, that editor doesn't give a shit. Right. And, but even if they, I mean, do, he does probably because no, no, if no. he does good job and it does better, I mean, it's better for him, but he doesn't know, like he doesn't have right. that time. That's, to put ex- into it. that's exactly it. Well, we go back to repetitions, right? If it, you mentioned you have about 400 episodes, right? I can bring you the best podcasting editor in the world and sure he might make some improvements, but he doesn't know your style. Right. You know, but I'm, yeah. but somebody with experience and the right knowledge, you could probably talk to him, Brian, for half an hour, an hour, and then get him 80% of the way there. And then from that point on, it's just, you know, saying, hey, man, by the way, I realized that in this introduction, you did this. I don't like right. it because of this reason. And he may have a valid reason as to why not. And then you can have that conversation. But the point is, is that you can't expect somebody to just be perfect from day one. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that I've seen. I, I work with a friend of mine really closely who also runs a YouTube channel, and he... He has that expectation of like, well, this person's a pro. They should be able to do it 100%. And I'm like, oh, you're like, how come you always find good people? And I was like, well, no. Like, to this day, I record videos for my guy and he's been with me for over a year, you know? Right, right. So I want to change gears a little bit and kind of move into like my category. Yeah, um, maybe maybe the creators that are, you know, they've started, they're in that under a thousand, in that mm-hmm. right around a thousand. Like we we finally monetized our channel in January. Oh awesome. Congrats. Like eleven years or yeah. seven years or something. But yeah, we had a rough start now yeah. that I'm being able to dedicate to it. Um but I did it wrong. Like mm-hmm. well I don't know if I necessarily did it wrong. This is this is what I'm at. So if you have a groundwork laid, you're doing stuff, you're looking at stuff and going, I don't know if this is really the way it should be. Um, is it, is it a good, where is the tipping point where it's worth starting again? Like scrapping it and starting over. Like, I'm not considering that I, my wife would absolutely lose her mind, but yeah. Um, so, so my opinion is this, if I, I would, the only reason I would start would be for, for two reasons. Number one is if the channel was somehow burned, if, if for whatever reason you did something so wrong that you know for a fact you're getting, you know, shadow banned by YouTube, maybe you're posting stuff that they're unhappy with or, or, or you know, content that is not, you know, following their guidelines and you right. have a bunch of strikes and all that kind of stuff. I would consider it in that context. The second um reason i would consider it is if you're changing niches completely so if i were to start making videos on woodworking i would definitely start a new channel because nobody who's doing you know photoshop is gonna care about woodwork odds are right Right. so 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 in that context i I would change it if i was doing a a drastic shift in um in, in niches for example in my case if i wanted to like let's just assume that adobe goes bankrupt tomorrow photoshop is dead tomorrow I can still leverage my audience and now do a graphic design channel, right? But because presumably people who are into Photoshop might be into graphic design or photography or, or a related topic in that context, I may not start a, another channel. But if it's something much different, then yeah. But th- those two would be my two reasons why I would create a new channel. If you have a channel that you haven't, um, I don't want to say did things wrong, but you were just not, 
you were just putting up whatever you felt like that week. I would think about like the type of content that resonated with people. So let's say you posted about uh, cars, woodworking, and welding. But for some, whatever reason, people love all the videos you made about cars, and that's what has all the views. Then if you're cha if if now that you're gonna focus on the channel, you're gonna create content about cars. It might be a good idea to to keep that channel, right? right? But if you're gonna do a welding channel, but all the videos on welding got two views, then at that in that point, you might want to create a new channel. Right. Well, you know, yeah. Like, so we we went on this weird evolution. We started the channel with a homestead. Um, so we're doing homestead videos. That you know, that mm -hmm. just makes sense. <clears throat> um, but we kind of turned to the place where we were moving into the RV. Um, yep. it was kind of going into more of a life documentation, um, yep. kind of a, a whole life. Well, you like a lot of different things. Like I do a right. podcast in the morning, then I go walk my three St. Bernard, and then I go to a cemetery and take pictures of gravestones. Yep. So figuring oh, out... Hold on one second. There, no worries, and there they are. Figure, Yeah, figuring out the um, how to make it all work. Is that playlist? Can you build like a multi kind of faceted channel or do i just yeah. need to figure out how to uh pipeline into one genre so so the, i'll answer the first question the first question was can you make can you have a multi-channel or like a multi-topic channel and the answer is absolutely many people have them it just requires so much more work right um because let's just say you have three topics right it, the topics really don't matter but there are three that means that it's theoretically possible that you have three groups of people who enjoy your content and those groups don't really watch the other content. They only watch the content of that one topic they're interested in. An example um, in, in, in my life is there's a channel I follow and I think the channel is called, it's called, is it Screen Crush? It, the, the channel doesn't matter. There's a channel that puts out content uh, about movies okay. and they have a... A, a section of these uh, of, of like one of the videos they have a series that make that I really enjoy but I don't watch their other stuff I only watch that one series so okay. if that channel puts something out I'm not going to see it because I probably won't like it but I do like that one series that, that they have about movies so um, for them I would imagine a lot of their audience is similar where they only like a specific content that they make so they have to create a lot of content to get people to come back and see all their content you know, right. so that that will be the downside. Um, if you and I mean that's it's making total total sense for sure. Um, and I've been kind of toying with the fact of just doing all the content because that's that's what we ended up doing. Like when we yeah. moved, my wife kept working, and yeah. I took some of our profits, and this is what I do full sure. time, so I can sure. I have more time to create the the different um, yeah content. Uh, sure. But I was wondering if I should try to marry them together, like it, start. It, well, is the content at all related? Um, I mean, it's all my life. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, you, there might be a like I said. No, like a, I'm I'm such a polymath that it's all over the place. Um, well, maybe there's a. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's so I do on the YouTube channel. So right now we do. Okay. I do my uh, daily podcast every morning uh -huh. for a little bit. Um, I do two interviews a week. We do them live. Well, I do the podcast live, and then we put up homestay or. Uh, RV living videos, okay, uh, headstone videos, and mm. uh, St. Bernard videos. <laughs> okay, yeah. 
Um, I, I can't think of anything specific of, of the top of my head, but if there was a way that all the videos had something in common, obviously besides the host, but maybe if if you're looking at all the videos from the same perspective or there's there's something that ties yeah. them all together and i'm not saying they all should be educational maybe they're all inspirational maybe they're all they'll they'll have something that ties them together i can see that working um maybe that because you talked about um oh man something with heads jesus yeah <laughs> they're, they're very different niches um it, it might require some thinking and you know what it might require some testing too because I, uh, by the way, everything I'm saying is in the context of growing a YouTube audience and not necessarily what you enjoy to do. So if you enjoy to do it, by all means, knock yourself out. Oh, right. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that and that's the thing. Like, I enjoy doing all this. Um, and I just started recording it. Um, I'm finding success in things that I never would have intended to do. Okay. My headstone documentation um, yeah. was just a hobby that uh, happened to to come into play when we started traveling uh, that I got into when I was a kid and uh -huh. hadn't really ever done it. And my wife happened to go for a walk in a cemetery and I was like, I'm going to take some pictures and make a TikTok channel and just throw them up there. And they were successful. So I just started adding that content into my YouTube channel. And okay. so it's just something like that. And, but I am, I'm, I'm learning that. Um, so when we monetized our YouTube channel, I've kind of made a membership around my show that I do there consistently every day, yeah. every day, every yeah. day. Um, because it's more of a live audience thing. Sure. And so we're focusing on that with the nomad stuff, but now I'm building my own membership for the graveyard thing yeah. on on my page, um, yeah. away from the YouTube. So I'm really figuring out that I have to use all these different available options. Right. And YouTube's kind of like my umbrella catch-all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, there's definitely nothing. There's definitely people who are doing similar things as you and being successful. In my opinion, it's just the the steeper slope to climb. Um, but it's yeah, not and, that, and that's what people need to hear. Like, yeah, I'm gonna keep like I'm figuring yeah. out how to do it and, and enjoy it because it's gonna be hopefully full time job. Um, yeah. But um, you know, maybe the homesteader that wants to get all those videos your advice is is spot on for them so don't yeah. don't be sorry for <laughs> yeah and you know like at the end of the day because okay so I'm, I'm gonna explain something about my thought process in creating my channel and then i'll expand on you know to make it more broader so when yep. i started my youtube channel i could have easily created the graphic design training channel as opposed to the photoshop training channel my talk my context in my head was if i'm looking for a wedding photographer right and i go to a website and i see this wedding photographer taking pictures of food babies and real estate and all this stuff and weddings and then i go to somebody else's page and they're only showing me wedding photos i'm more likely to go with the wedding photographer because that's the expert in that field so that's kind of how i thought about it with my youtube channel i don't want people to be oh yeah that guy does photoshop illustrator and he does this and he does that and he does websites and he does you know portraits i i didn't want that i wanted my name to be synonymous with Photoshop. And I think that I've done it to a degree. Um, I, I've been a speaker at over 40 conferences now and all have been me speaking about Photoshop. I don't think I would have been able to do that if I would have created a YouTube channel where I was a jack of all trades. Um, right. and, and that's what I meant about the slope that was easier to climb because it would have been much more difficult for me to make myself an expert in 10 things rather than make myself an expert in one. Um,
but 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 again, it's not impossible. People have done it. Um, but with the limited time that I had when I started my channel, that just seemed like the most uh, sensible thing to do. Um, and I don't regret it. I, I enjoy what I've done. But that doesn't mean that everybody should follow the same path. Now, um, but it's, it's, it's a pattern. Um, you've laid you've laid a road that works. And, and that's sure. what that's what my my audience likes is is somebody like we we often have conversations like um the seo guy is going to pitch you pitch you hey you need to do this 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 to your website mm -hmm. but when you say show me the results like show me <laughs> some hard results well you're telling me this is how you built your youtube channel i went there i mean you you're not full of shit that's it, you right. have the growth you have the videos and what you're saying is there so it's a big difference um sure and and it's tangible results and i love it yeah well and, and that's what i tell people because i i've done a lot of podcast episodes where people you know, like yourself and, and makes total sense. Ask me questions about YouTube. And I always got to tell people, I am not a YouTube guru. I'm not teaching how to grow on YouTube. I'm just telling you what I did. You yeah. know, like this is what worked for me. And maybe 20%, 30%, 100% may work for you. I'm just telling you what worked for me. And as I, I'm very well aware that it's not the only way, but it is a way that I know for sure works because as you mentioned, I do have the numbers to back it up. Right, right. And that's sure. the difference between, I mean, I've seen a, you know, without naming people, uh, videos on YouTube of like how to grow your YouTube channel. And I look at their YouTube channel and they barely have a thousand subscribers. I'm like, come on, bro. You know, like those are the ones. So I, I do that. I started doing that, um, not necessarily just for YouTube, but like all the stuff that I'm kind of dabbling in. I'll take yeah. 15 minutes before I go to bed and listen to a video. Um, sure. yep. you know, mon Mondays is YouTube, Tuesdays is TikTok, Thursdays yeah. is Facebook. And we um, should talk about TikTok, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, uh, I, <laughs> I would listen to him and I wasn't looking at my phone. I just had my earbuds in like yeah. kind of trying to fall asleep. And then the next day I would watch, look at the videos that I listened to. And I'm like, wait a second. Why was that dude telling me what to do? He has less yeah. followers than me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And um, a little caveat, there are some people who are um, for the lack of a better term, like professional coaches. And then if you look at their client list and their client list actually has a lot of success and they're yeah. legit clients. And that's a different thing. But if they have no client list and no followers, I just be careful with the information. It might not be wrong information. They just probably got it from somewhere else, not experienced through themselves or clients. Um, they there bought is... a course on how to make exactly. a, how to make a be a, a yeah. YouTube coach. Exactly, exactly, literally, exactly what happened. Um, one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about, uh, and you mentioned it was TikTok. I think TikTok. Um, you mentioned a lot of the different interests that you have. Um, uh, I would recommend people listening. Um, experimenting with TikTok, even if you are, even if you don't want to be a TikToker, I think that TikTok is a great platform for discovering a new audience. I, 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 I did something very, very smart and very, very dumb with TikTok. <laughs> I got into TikTok super early. I created maybe 10 videos and I got to 400,000 followers like in a month. And then I stopped. I stopped. That was the dumb part. I stopped and didn't post anything for over a year. So now I'm starting back up again. What and were now you doing that... your videos on? Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and the thing is, it's a completely different audience. We talked about it in the beginning of the podcast where yep. we mentioned that um, there's, there's generational changes happening all the time. These are a very, very younger audience compared to my YouTube audience. There's a lot of people that don't know me. So I'm discovering a new audience on TikTok. And... 
as as of this recording, TikTok is one of the platforms, in my opinion, that is more accessible for discoverability. It 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 requires less work to get discovered on TikTok by a new person than it does on, say, YouTube. That yeah. doesn't mean that the content has it, it um, can be bad. It just means that it's easier. So content still needs to be good. Again, everything I mentioned is based on my channel and my numbers. So I don't. I'm not saying that this is going to be true for everybody, but at least you have something to compare. Well, it correlates too. It correlates too because when YouTube did shorts, like looking at at growth, it's my videos are uh, subscriber growth is coming from shorts, and video views and time and monetization is coming from long format. 100%. 100%. And TikTok is just that that quick view. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and what I was going to say is TikTok is really big on retention. Um, mm-hmm. For me, if I can get a video in the analytics that show that I kept 50% or more of the audiences, uh, of the audience watching my videos longer than five seconds. So 50% of people who watch my video stayed on longer than five seconds. I will guaranteed get a video that it's considered good for me, which is a couple a couple hundred thousand views. Um, if I manage to get 50% or more, seven seconds, 100%, that will be a million views on a video for me, for my audience. Um, so this is something that I look at and I, and I try really, really hard to create engaging videos for my audience in the beginning of the video because videos that don't perform well, meaning 50% of viewers or less, I lose 50% or more, I should say, in the first five seconds. Most of them fall off in second one, two, and three. So if in those three seconds, I don't catch anybody, they're gone. And TikTok will not promote those videos. Um, I also take my TikTok content. And as you mentioned, I upload it onto uh, Instagram Reels and upload it into YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I use TikTok as the um, platform to test them. And then if they do well, I put them in the others. Okay. Yeah, I've been, I mean, I just put all of them, but I've seen different results from different videos in, on the different platforms or the same yeah. video. Oh, 100%. On 100%. It's, it's really odd. And I've also seen the long, um, so it seems like videos like on Facebook, the reels, um, they start real slow and mine just continually go like yeah. slow roll yeah. Uh, yeah. to where YouTube is like, it's hit it and quit it and then it's done. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 so I see the same exact thing. For me, the short form content performs best on TikTok, second best on Reels. And, and then there's a gap and then there's YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, man, we're coming up on an hour. This has been fantastic. It's been a, a whole lot to think about for sure. Um, and like you've stressed a couple times, it's what you did that worked. Um, it's not necessarily the magic pill or like here yeah. by my course and tell me how to no. do it. Um, but what you did worked and the, and I think it's more the concepts that you focused on. Like you mentioned it, this is what I did, but this is why I did it. You look right. at your audience and what grabs their attention. Like those are the bigger things to me and my takeaways from it. Yeah. But I told you before, um, yep. at the beginning of the show, I like to give, give the guest, um, uh, just a platform to talk. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, the sunshine for 25 minutes, go ahead. Um, (laughs) but if there was some takeaways you had from the episode or something that you just kind of want to leave the audience with, um, the floor is yours, man. And then we'll wrap up and uh, get out of here. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the most valuable thing for people is just to learn two things. And it's what we started with in the beginning. Like, niche doesn't matter. Like, nothing matters. At the end of the day, all that matters is the data. And the two components that you need to know is click-through rate and retention rate. We talked about click-through rate. Headlines. How do I create better headlines? I recommend everybody to just go on ChatGPT these days. You can just type up your niche, give me 10 attention graphing headlines for whatever. You don't have to copy them exactly, but you might get pieces that work for your headline. Why not? If, you, if you're a copywriter, then great. You can you know come up uh, with them on your own. Thumbnails. You don't have to hire a graphic designer. Midjourney. Midjourney. Go on Midjourney and type you know, whatever your niche is. Just type it up on there. It, a graphic comes up. And then put your picture on top of it or, or whatever you need to do. And if you don't know how to do that, there's, you know, background removal generators online that are free. If you want to use Photoshop, you can come to my YouTube channel, learn how to do it there by hand if you prefer. The point is, is that there's so many resources now to create eye-catching content that might get a click that it's it's incredibly easy these days compared to, say, 10 years ago when I started. Um, I was fortunate that I had a lot of skills that I I didn't need to hire anybody. I didn't need to, um, you know, get software or whatever. But I realized that not everybody has those advantages. And thankfully, now we have these tools that make it a little bit easier. Um, and also be very conscious of the content that you put out. And what I mean by that is after you put out your content... Look at it on your phone. Like most people watching your content are probably going to be on their phone. So what I do is I grab my phone and I just look at it. And if I think, oh man, the thumbnail looks too small or I can't read those words. This is another mistake I see a lot of people do. Um, I see that they'll, you know, write a paragraph in the thumbnail. And I'm like, what? Like, no, like just write three words max, impactful words, whatever they are. I don't like to repeat the same words that I have on my thumbnail and my uh, title because they're there in the title. So I like to... Yeah, it's exactly important real estate. Also, like, how do you know that something is working? I mentioned the YouTube analytics, um, the CTR click through rate. Um, if you are willing to spend the money, I recommend that you do. Um, there's a, a tool called TubeBuddy. Um, I'm not affiliated with them by any way. It's just a tool that I use. Um, there's no uh, affiliate link or anything like that. But just look up uh, TubeBuddy. And I, I, you know, I wish I knew what the price was. But the point is, is this is tool. It's got different tiers. Make sure you get the tier that allows you to do A/B testing on YouTube. And what that allows you to do is to upload a video, and then through this tool, you can put two different thumbnails and see which one gets the higher click-through rate and just keep the one that gets the higher click-through rate. Because a lot of times, I mentioned it earlier, you look at the thumbnail and you're like, oh my God, this one's great. And then you look at the other one like, oh my God, this one's crappy. And the crappy one gets like double the click-through rate. Why? Who knows? Who knows? That's, right? my, that's my shorts too. The yeah. same thing on my, exactly. on my TikTok stuff. I'm like, oh, this is a banger. It gets yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah. And it's happened to me where like I'm tired and I'm like, oh, this is not so much now because I have a, I'm the cam. But before when I used to come home from work, I was tired and I'm like, oh, God, I need to put out a video, whatever. I'm just going to freestyle something, put it up. And I'm like, oh, it's going to do terrible. Boom, a million views. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, like I spent weeks in the previous video and it barely got any views. But, you know, that's the way the world works. So the point is, is that um, there's these tools that are available to you. And I recommend that you use them to help you improve those two metrics, because I can I can promise you that if you increase your click through rate and your retention rate, then you will have a successful YouTube channel. I'm not yeah. saying you're going to get 30 million followers, but you will definitely have incremental success than what you have now. Um, I didn't talk much about retention rate, but I will say this. When you go on your YouTube analytics, 
there's a graph that shows where people drop off. For mm-hmm. me, I noticed that a lot of people drop off in the beginning. So I knew that I needed to change the beginning. So now I make this the, the beginning faster because my assumption is that when somebody clicks on my video, the promise is you're going to learn how to do this in Photoshop. And if I don't get to that in the first 30 seconds, I notice people dropping off. So I needed to change that. And then I also noticed that for me, once people learn to do what I promise, they leave. They don't want to hear, hey, okay, everybody, thank you for watching. We'll be back next week. And they don't want any of that. So usually what I do is one of two things. Nothing, literally end the video. Or say, by the way, if you want to learn more about masking, here's the video below. Boom, done. You know, 10 seconds. Nothing nothing crazy. And, um, you know, as, as painful as it is, the data doesn't lie. And, and just, just, you know, look at the data, adjust. Look at that data, adjust. Look at that data, adjust. And, you know, eventually you'll have a more successful YouTube channel. And you want that. So it's not it's not just the view and it's not just the retention. You want that like 90%. Um, that helps. Like I would say, so you were saying um, when you had an extended outro, people yeah. would drop off. Yeah. Um, is YouTube more interested in that person staying till the bitter end or is that just fluff? Very um, good question. It's a little bit of both. Um, so YouTube is looking at an overall retention rate of your video. So for the sake of argument, we'll say that you have a 10 minute video and then two minutes of that is outro. And most people don't get there. For my numbers, when I had the longer outros, I noticed that maybe five to 10% of people would stay. So that means that 20% of the video was just fluff and nobody ever saw it anyway. So why am I spending time recording that, editing that, doing all that work? And YouTube is actually, uh, I'm going to use this word very loosely, penalizing me for dropping, you know, from losing it, it the audience. Lowers, it lowers yeah. the valuable nature of yeah. the video. Where if I had a, you know, let's just say that now I get a, I get that extra 20%, right? So maybe instead of getting to the end, maybe now instead of five to 10 percent of people getting to the end now 40 to 60 get to the very end that looks much more fa- uh, favorably in the eyes of youtube and in terms of the quality youtube thinks of that video because more more people reach the end that'll right. promote it to more people and also um because one of the one of the things that i've talked to people about is like um well when people finish watching the video you, you don't you can't tell them this you can't tell them that you can't tell them to click on the link below or go buy my course or go i was like yeah you can you don't have to do it at the end if you look at your analytics i know that if i, if I have a 10 minute video i know that by minute six i lost more than 50 percent. i know that i know that for a fact for most so of the link before six minutes exactly exactly by the way, if you're enjoying this video, make sure to hit that like button. By the way, if you're enjoying this video, I have a, a course on compositing my website. Link down below. Anyway, back to the video, you know, and it's just as simple as that. And now you're talking you look about for your peaks and utilize them. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And it actually feels more, in my opinion, I, you know, like, who knows? I could be totally wrong. But in my opinion, it just feels more natural, right? Because we're having a conversation about masking in Photoshop. Oh, by the way, I have a course on masking. Link below in the description. Anyway, you know, and it's just like they don't even feel it, you know? And if, you, and if they get to the very end, odds are is that they dropped off. And if they haven't, it's because they're already trying it in their computer or something's happening. That, it's you played know, in the background. <laughs> you know, yeah, because they're already into what you were teaching them and they're trying it. Again, this is for my audience. It might be different for other people's audiences, uh-huh. but this is the the rationalization that I've used to to create the content the way that I do. Nice, nice. 
yeah and i think that's just a great place to leave it we were talking outros we were talking uh hitting those peaks and there you go uh, i'm guessing it's time to kind of wind it up (laughs) i uh i this conversation has been fantastic i can't wait to dive into your channel and look at at your stuff i I glanced over I had the right uh, subscriber amount because I didn't know how dated the number was. And I know how fast that can grow. Um, But Jesus, man, I really appreciate it. It's been a great, uh, a great chat. I'm excited to, uh, to have you get your podcast rolling. Um, YouTube channel is Photoshop training channel. Photoshop training channel. And the podcast is called today's creator. Basically, we do what you and I do, I uh, just did now, and I talk to people who make a living with their creativity. And uh, I've had uh, photographers, uh, artists, uh, one of my upcoming episodes will be with the original designer of the Apple logo, believe it or not. Um, oh, nice. Nice. So, are you, you doing know, ta- that on YouTube or are you doing that straight audio? Uh, very good question. So. I took advantage that I already had an audience on YouTube. So I started a new YouTube channel. I debated, I had that same debate that you and I talked about earlier. Do I start a new channel or do I put up the videos on my Photoshop training channel, uh, YouTube channel? I decided to start a whole new channel for it just because I thought that I would leave that channel and all its algorithm juice specifically for Photoshop. And then through my YouTube channel, I promote the podcast. And again, because I have an audience there, my first episode on YouTube got about 2,700 views and then, you know, God knows how many thousands more on, on, on audio, but that's right. only because I already have an audience. So I, I know that right, I could right. do that, you know? Right. What's, uh, what's that, what was that channel again? I'll be sure to get it in my show notes. Yeah. Uh, the channel is called today's creator. Um, today's creator pod is the, the at, uh, today's creator pod and Perfect. yeah just just talking to people who create for a living and like i said i've i'm i'm looking forward to uh speaking to one of the original designers of the apple logo back in the 70s i i came across a girl on tiktok who made a uh, a hundred thousand dollars in in one day selling excel courses i'm excited to talk to her um so that's one of the uh, upcoming episodes miss excel is her name so i, I definitely right. have some some interesting creators coming up and inspir- inspirational. Inspirational for sure. Yeah. So. And it's, it's like we said, you know, like I said earlier, success leaves clues. These people are successful. I want to see what clues I can pick up from them and hopefully apply them to me and my business. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you being here. I'll get both of those links in the in the description and, and people should definitely head over and check them out, whether they want to learn Photoshop or they want to get inspired for uh, inspired for uh, creating and hearing cool stories. So I appreciate you being here, man. And uh, we're gonna drop off. I'm gonna close things out. If you hang out for a minute, I'm gonna, I'm sure. gonna grab you after for a few minutes. But yeah, uh, definitely. Hey, no problem. Being here, man. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, everybody. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right, everybody, that was, uh, man, what a great conversation. Uh, Be sure to check out both those YouTube channels or uh, maybe the audio version of the podcast if you you just want to listen along, but I will have those in the show notes. I appreciate you. I thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again real soon.